my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're taking as our theme, understanding the Holy Spirit. And today we're asking, do I need to speak in tongues to be saved? Today our co-host is Helen Gray. And Helen uh, is filling in for Pastor David Butcher, uh, who's having some well-earned holidays. Uh, Helen's the pastoral assistant for the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Helen. Thank you, Gary. It is a delight to be here, but my, what big shoes i got to fill. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I, 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 David, I really appreciate working with David, but I really appreciate being able to work with Helen as well. It's, uh, Thanks, uh, that, that's wonderfully exciting. Winter's certainly arrived here in Adelaide. Oh, isn't it great? Oh. We even had rain. Oh, we so badly need rain. I tell you what, I feel for those of you who actually have to go running up into the Adelaide Hills all the time because Adelaide Hills is wonderful in the middle of summer when the, there's 35-degree days here or 40-degree days. It's always 5 or 10 degrees cooler. But the same is also true for the middle of winter. And uh, even right now, we're starting to, you know, it's starting to cool off. Is it cool up in the hills? It is cool in the hills, but I have this philosophy that we don't have bad or good weather we just have different weather we have different weather yeah. Yeah, because yeah. some people love summer some people love winter you know you please everybody that way well i've actually lived many places in australia i've lived you know i've got some really good mates up there in uh, in queensland uh love our queenslanders i was born in uh, in sydney and new south wales i've worked in new south wales i've worked in tasmania i've worked in uh in queensland uh, and but you know i have to admit the climate in adelaide is something very, very special. It is oh, something r- really good. I, you know, it, it's got that moderate uh, right through the uh, most of the year, except when we get an occasional uh, heat wave coming through, or when we get those chilly blasts in the middle of middle of winter. But normally, you get this mild Mediterranean climate that is just so nice. You do. I do miss a uh, white winter, though. You, uh, you come from. Uh, I come from Britain. I come from Scotland. And we, uh, we had white Christmases. Uh, but we always sing about uh, the white Christmases. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Helen, let's come to our World Watch uh, segment uh, today mm-hmm. uh, because something came across my desk just this morning. Uh, just today I received the most recent report of the American Worldview Inventory 2021. Now, this is uh, a report that comes out about every two weeks uh, for about uh, – um, about 10 or 12 reports throughout the year. Now, every year, the Arizona Christian University and the Cultural Research Center based at that university does a very significant uh, survey. In this particular occasion, they actually sat down with 2,000 uh, American people and started to talk to them about the issue of worldview. Now, Helen, just tell us, before I just start with this report, what is... Worldview. Okay. Um, for a start, this would be George Barnett's 
This is, this is George Barney. Yes, yes we're coming to that. He's very, very good. He's very good. This is Excellent. he's actually one of the leading professors at this particular yes. university. Yes. Yeah. Well, worldview. I mean, if I ask anybody out there, the first thing would be world. It's the world and what what all the world thinks. But it's actually individual. Okay. It's it's the worldview that he has been studying is is to see what what the individual person or individual groups. I think there's something like is there eight or ten different. Groups with the there is so so basically yes. what we have is the way an individual actually views their world or mm. perceives their world mm. is actually entitled their worldview. For right. for example, if a person has a biblical worldview, what types of things might they believe? Well, for a start, they would probably believe that there is a God in heaven, okay. a God that created this earth, a God that loves them, and a God that forgives them, and a God that looks after them. And possibly Amazing also God. that they are sinners themselves. Absolutely. So this is I a... I was getting there. <laughs> this <laughs> is on. actually a biblical worldview. Yes, yeah. But, but uh, can I just add to that, sure. Gary? The good thing about that is that it answers so many questions that other views don't. That's we're going we'll to come to that, that because that is really key. Yes. That is heart and core. And of course, a secular worldview is actually a worldview that looks at the world through totally different lenses. Absolutely, uh, they might deny that there is a God. Mm. And George Barner, in this particular survey, is looking at the issue of uh, American worldview. Now, this is the the um, uh, result of this uh, this particular uh, research that was done with 2,000 by interviewing for half an hour each uh, 2,000 uh, American individuals. And this is just hot off the press. And this it? is hot off the press. I only received this today. Yes. In fact, if people want to get it, if listeners want to get it, just please go to the Cultural Research Centre, Arizona uh, Arizona Christian University and they can pick up this particular report. It is really, I believe these are excellent reports. They really do tell us where our religious world is actually at. Now this is the conclusions he came to. Only 6% of American adults possess a biblical worldview but what have the other 94% put in its place? That was the question that they put to the 2,000 people. In other words, okay, uh, we've been able to establish that there's been this minimal number of people that possess a biblical... But what do the other 94% actually believe? According to to the groundbreaking American Worldview Inventory 2021, the first survey of its kind to measure not only biblical worldview, but competing worldviews, uh, found that the overwhelming majority of American adults lack a cohesive, coherent worldview, and instead substitute a patchwork of conflicting, often irreconcilable beliefs and values as they navigate life. According to Barna, the big winner from among the worldviews measured was none of the above. The new study found that nearly 9 in 10 of American adults, 88%, embrace an impure, unrecognisable worldview that blends ideas from multiple uh, perspectives. Now, uh, to me, uh, when you study, uh, interview 2,000 people and 88% come into this, um, into, into this particular category, you've got to start to say, hey, you know, uh, is there any, uh, con- uh, is there any common worldview actually out there? And his conclusion is, no, there's not. There's none in there at all. Uh, he kept on going. Uh, 
This new piece of groundbreaking research by the Cultural Research Centre answers the question raised in the initial study. If American adults do not have a biblical worldview, what is the dominant worldview amongst the other 94%? The simple and surprising answer is that there isn't one. Uh, Based on half-hour-long interviews with the national representative sample of 2,000 adults, the Cultural Research Centre found that the most common worldview might be best described as syncretism. That's a summary for an irreconcilable collection of beliefs and behaviours that define people's lives. It's a cut-and-paste approach, making sense of for making sense of and responding to life. Rather than developing an internally consistent and philosophically coherent perspective on life, Americans embrace points of view or actions with which they feel comfortable or seem most convenient. These beliefs and behaviours are often inconsistent, they're even contradictory, but few Americans seem to be troubled by these failings. Now, tell me, Helen... Would you see Australia as being similar if you were to do a similar survey here? I would say yes. Mostly we do find that we seem to follow what happens. Um, what what really concerns me, though, what you've just um, actually read out, is that you know people aren't consistent, they're contradictory, and they're not even concerned about those feelings. And what came to my mind straight away was the evolutionist de- debate. Mm. And... You know, you have Christians who say we're created. You have um, vast majority say no, we evolved. Yeah. Of then, Christians, yes. But yeah. then, then you've got a group of Christians that say there is such a, a thing as theistic evolution. In other words, God created the world uh, through evolution. Yes. And that's, which which that, is actually an oxymoron. When it's you an oxymoron it. when you talk so, about but it. But that's that's what came to mind when you read out about you know that they were inconsistent, even contradictory, but few of them seem to be troubled. And most people think, oh well, that's all right. There's God. There's evolution. But they're picking. They're picking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's this pick and sense. choose. That, yeah. And we've got to come to, you know, why is this important in mm. just a moment? But the article actually goes on. The big winner, of course, is none of the above. In total, nine out of ten U.S. adults have an impure, unrecognizable world, world view that is blending the ideas from multiple perspectives. And most of them are actually not recognizing that this is, um, that this is, this is happening. Uh, at the uh, conclusion of the article, uh, of the report, rather, because it's a more of a report than uh, um, than an article. Uh, this is what he what he says. Uh, Barner noted uh, that in his more than twenty five years of studying worldview in America, he has discovered that people generally adopt worldview beliefs and behaviours that they encounter in the arts and entertainment vehicles, in news reports, in political statements made by public leaders and through conversations and experiences uh, with people they trust. Um, you know, that really says something. You know, we're actually establishing our worldview uh, primarily through entertainment sources. What's that actually saying to you, Helen? Well, I think it's saying uh, partly, one, number one, it's what they're comfortable with. Yeah, you know yeah. they're comfortable in that genre, you know that they're choosing, and and they're not really 
Um, I don't know about you, but I, I'm thinking a lot of these people aren't even really thinking about it. Well, that's exactly the point that yeah. comes up a little bit later because what we've got here is, of course, within the entertainment industry, you tend to have things come into your mind, but you tend to have them there uh, in an uncritical manner. You don't tend to assess them. You know, if some actor is saying something, you don't try to assess what he's saying. You just accept it and it goes straight into, into my mind. And to me, as I look at that, I simply say, hey, that's actually impacting huge numbers of people. It's actually changing our world view, the way we look at our world. Mm. And one of the reasons for that, Gary, is because with the entertainment in industry and, and the flicking of all the rest of the, the screens and that, having done a bit of study in that area, um, the frontal lobe actually switches off. That's why we're not analytical. That, that is so no. key. That is so yes. key. In fact, our last paragraph here that, that I'll, I'll refer to is, uh, is this one here. Our studies show that Americans are neither deep nor sophisticated thinkers. This is almost an insult. Yeah. Um, the veteran researcher noted, Americans have become selfish and emotion-driven, leaving logic behind. They promote a way of life that pushes us to think uh, more cl- to promote a way of life that pushes us to think more clearly, consistently and purposely is going to take time and effort and it will be uncomfortable. Most people uh, seem more interested in living a life of comfort and convenience than one of reasonable consistency and wisdom. Our children will continue to suffer the consequences of following in the unfortunate step footsteps of their parents and elders, uh, people who are willing to fight for a f- more reasonable way of thinking and acting can make a difference, but it's going to be very slow progress, he actually says. Now, look, Helen, just, uh, just one last question. Why biblical worldview? Why is it so key to making sense of our world? Well, as I mentioned before, well, there are several points, but number one, biblical worldview assures us how we came to be. Okay, so it really tells us where we came from. Absolutely. It it gives us the reason why we're here. Okay. The purpose. We have a purpose-filled life. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it is uncomfortable, by the way, but we need that in our life. It also tells us where we're going. Okay. You know, the other views, and, and, you know, I could name several of them, don't handle these questions. They get left up in the air because they don't have answers for them. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Helen, to me, that to me is actually the very beautiful thing about a biblical worldview because what it's actually doing is it tell, it tells me, um, where did I come from? Mm. Why am I here? And where am I going? It actually answers those. And, you know, I know people say, oh, they're faith statements. Well, actually, you know, when I actually come to the scriptures, what I find is that there's actually significant evidence to actually back up uh, those particular uh, points of the worldview, and I love being able to sit down and share those things with with people. Yeah. But you know, as we have this biblical worldview that's able to give answers to the big questions, so many of the other smaller questions in our world certainly seem uh, to fall into their rightful place. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm so conscious that our world is really struggling with so many uh, questions for which uh, there are so many diverse answers, or there are no answers. Uh, whereas Scripture, uh, the biblical worldview actually provides answers uh, for those who uh, would like to find 
and answer. Let me add there, Gary, that it gives hope. There are too many people these days that are, I feel as though they've, everything is hopeless. Yeah. And, and of course, they end up committing suicide or they have a very sad life. Yeah. Whereas with the biblical uh, worldview, we know through, through Scripture where we're yeah. going. Yeah. We have a God who loves us unconditionally, yeah. a God who forgives us, an amazing God who gives us a reason for living. Indeed. He gives us a reason to keep living and a hope in him, which these people are missing. What has really shocked me about this report you've just read out is it's only 6% mm. have a biblical worldview. Yeah. That, that leaves 94%, Gary. And you, we understand I'm why why politics is going the way that it actually yeah. is. You know, uh, the the Christian, the foundational uh, worldview of Christianity, uh, of course, has been undermined totally because you've got the majority of people are certainly no longer have a biblical worldview. Therefore, mm. uh, other alternatives are actually coming in. And mm. I actually read an article the other day that talked about us replacing a Christian worldview with a pagan worldview. And the uh, and the article said this is going to be tough times, particularly for women and children, because uh, in the old days when there was a pagan worldview, the people who particularly suffered uh, were in fact women and children. Uh, it was yeah. strong is right, therefore the might must win. And, mm. you know, to me, when you get to that point in society, uh, you you're actually starting uh, to go on a very significant downhill mm, we're slope. We're in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble. Indeed, indeed. The other thing that came to my mind too when I said about being comfortable, I remember talking to a neighbour that I had and um, I shared with him a DVD by Louis Giglio mm-hmm. and it's How Big Is He's God? He's a good speaker, yeah. Oh, it was just amazing. He didn't realise till it was part way through that it was biblical. Yeah. And by then he was really hooked. Yeah. And he came out and he said to me, do you have any more like this? And I said, yes, I do, actually. I said, you're an evolutionist. And he said, yes. And I said, can you tell me why you're an evolutionist? Seriously, give Mm. me an answer. And he said, you want to know? I said, yes. And he said, because if I had to believe that there was a divine um, designer, he said, I would have to show allegiance. And I might be asked to do something I don't want to do. He was perfectly honest with me. But you see, that to me says, I would have to get out of my comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this is certainly the challenge that we're actually facing because there are huge implications. The very moment you turn around and say, hey, there is a supernatural God, the implications of that are absolutely huge because it's going to impact my day-to-day living. But it will give you life more abundantly. Exactly. Hello, I've exactly. been on both sides of the field. I know which one I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's wonderful. Yes. Look, let's come to some music. Uh, oh, by the way, folks, if you would like a copy of uh, of that particular research, it's just been released today. Can I recommend it to you? You can pick it up at the uh, Arizona Christian University Cultural Research Center, and this is the American Worldview Inventory 2021. And this is the first report of what I expect will be about uh, 10, 10 reports. Uh, I found it in an Incisive um, report. Uh, please enjoy some uh, some music. This is uh, uh, this is Michael Card, uh, and he's singing El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El El Yonah Adonai, 
Age to age, you're still the same. By the power of the name, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Erechim Kana Adonai. We will praise and lift you high, El Shaddai. Through your love and through the ram, you saved the son of Abraham, and by the power of your hand, turned the sea into dry land. To the outcast on her knees, you were the God who really sees. You set your children free, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Elyonah Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same.
Card El Shaddai. What a beautiful song that uh, that really is. We've got a free gift uh, for you today. Our uh, our gift for you today is uh, is a little book. It's not a big book again. Uh, it's entitled Spirit Baptism. And waiting on God. Now, this particular book is written by uh, a fellow who's worked and ministered uh, in the work uh, through spirit um, baptism for, for many years. His name's Dennis Smith. In this book, the biblical teaching of waiting on God is presented uh, in a way that that will really change your life. Uh, we live in a society that doesn't like to wait, yet the Bible presents waiting on God as necessary for us to understand and experience in order to know him intimately and to develop Christ's character, to be guided by him and to serve him. What does spirit baptism really mean? Now, this is the... Uh, book, uh, Spirit, Baptism and Waiting on God. Uh, that's the question that's answered in this particular book by Dennis Smith. He's a very uh, simple author. He's got some wonderful stories to tell you uh, about how Spirit Baptism has impacted his own life and how he's seen it impact the lives of others. If you would like the book Spirit, Baptism and Waiting on God, please send uh, your name, your address uh, and your mobile phone number. Just text it um, together with the uh, uh, with the title of the book Spirit Baptism and Waiting on God. Uh, just text it to our studio mobile here. That number is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven. That number again is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven. And the book's title is Spirit Baptism and Waiting on God. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Helen Gray and Helen is the pastoral assistant at the Birdwood uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're taking as our theme Understanding the Holy Spirit and today we're asking do I need to speak in tongues in order to be saved? I was uh, I was reading a a blog uh, a little a little while ago, and uh, on this particular uh, Christian blog, a number of uh, religious questions, uh, biblical questions, kept coming up. Uh, this was one of the uh, experiences and questions that one individual sent in. My friend t- keeps telling me that in order to be saved, I need to speak in tongues because that's evidence of the Holy Spirit. I tried telling them that uh, that verse in Corinthians that said not everyone speaks in tongues, but they said the gift of tongues that they were talking about is different. I've I've never spoken in tongues. My grandma, who took me up, uh, who brought me up as a Christian and was always praying, never spoke in tongues. I don't see why as she won't be saved, even though as she uh, believed wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ. My friend said, the Bible says that in order to be saved, we need to be baptized with the Spirit, and being baptized with the Spirit means to speak in tongues. Apparently, because the Bible verse talked about uh, where the Holy Spirit, apparently this is because uh, there is a Bible verse uh, where the Holy Spirit filled a group of people which caused them to speak in tongues. What do you think? You know, Helen, it's actually a really uh, interesting question that this uh, uh, this young lady uh, is actually asking because, you know, somebody has said something to her, and I know in my own ministry I've actually had numerous people ask very similar questions uh, of me. But what does the Scripture actually say on this particular subject? Well, we can go in very deep. We are going to answer some of those questions as we go along. I, too, have had people say, you're not saved. 
Okay. No, I've had people say, are you saved? And I'll say, yes, I believe I am. Do you speak in tongues? No, I do not. Well, then you're not saved. Yeah. yeah, and I've certainly had, I mean, I know early in my ministry particularly, I had a, a number of young men actually approach me and uh, say something of basically, well, the same thing mm. as as that. They said, Pastor, we really appreciate your preaching and your teaching. We really appreciate uh, your church, but uh, your, the problem is is that uh, you don't speak in tongues. And, uh, and they actually said to me, we'll teach you to speak in tongues. Yes, and, uh, which I've, is interesting. Which was an interesting comment, yes. I thought. But yes. anyway, go on. Yeah. L- let me just say there are many people in the world today who actually do speak or they're impressed um, in speaking in tongues. I have been along to a charismatic church and mm-hmm. I have heard them speak in tongues. And I prayed my way through the whole thing. <laughs> okay. Um, I actually did feel uncomfortable. I'll be okay. honest with you. So and you didn't join them? I didn't join them to speak in tongues. No, I did not. Mm-hmm. But that made me go home and study the Bible on this particular subject. Okay. I thought, I need to know. And when this person said, if if you're not speaking in tongues, you're not saved, I thought, I don't believe that's biblical. Mm-hmm. And and today I can say unequivocally, it is not biblical. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is not. The Holy Spirit gives gifts, many types of gifts, and he will bring them to edify the church. The day I went into this church, I do not believe the church was edified. And I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm not here to condemn. We're not here to condemn. We're not here to make fun of the people. They are very sincere in what they believe and in what they do. But there was no interpreter. Number okay. one. Okay. Now the Bible is very, very clear. Okay, let's get, oh, let's come. Let you're jumping in at the. Okay, at the we'll look at that in a minute. Uh, yes. At the deep end. Yes. Let's uh, let's go to the. You know what are tongues in the Bible? Can we start at, at that? Because I think it's really important that we come to to that particular understanding to uh, as we kick off. Okay. Have you ever read the book by Rene Norbergen, Glossolalia? No, I don't think I have. It's very worthwhile reading. I read that when I started to come into um, wondering what this was all about. And he said that he heard, he went into a church and he heard a man speaking in a way he'd never heard before. He was saying, Shama, Shama, O Amatala, and kept on going like that. And he said, as the young man continued, he asked him, Nor, Nor Bergen said to himself, is this actually a language? Because he thought it must be a language, you know, African or something like that. And he said, those listening were responding with subdued cries of ecstasy, raised their arms in the air with repeated statements of praise the Lord, hallelujah. And he thought, is that what happened at Pentecost? Okay. And he said the gift of tongues. And, and you know, if you go in and you have a look at it and you go back and you look at some of the actual interpretation of the word tongues, mm-hmm. there are a couple and there is a difference between the true and the false, Gary. Okay, so you're saying that there is a there is a true tongues and a false tongue. Yes, there are tongues which are called an ecstatic utterance, not following any known language. It is composed of nonsense syllables. It appears to be a state of emotionalism, informing a form of self hypnosis. Okay. Then there is another form of tongues, the Bible gift given to certain followers of Jesus, for the purpose of spreading the gospel to foreign countries. This tongues is a definite foreign language. Okay. So, you know, you go back to your dictionaries and look at some of these things. There is absolutely a difference. Now, let, let's have a look, if you don't mind, if we can see what happened at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. 
This is this is actually really important because the whole um, issue of tongues is first mentioned in the Bible uh, in uh, in the book of Acts. I actually call it the Gospel of Acts because I love uh, the book of Acts. But you get the story of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, uh, what you have there is those early disciples, uh, they started to speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. Now, let's look at what did actually happen there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just also add, you said, you know, uh, what you called it. I've heard it called the Acts of the Apostles. I would like to say it's not. It's called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, no, that's very that's good. Really that's very comes. powerful. Where yeah, that, that is so true. Okay, so if we start off with Acts 2, 1 to 8. Okay. Do you want to share that? I've got a different translation. I'd love to, yeah. Let, yes. me, let me read that. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, with one sitting upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there was dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Stop there. Let's say that again. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So they understood in their language. Yeah. yeah. No one translated to them. In other words, somehow there is a supernatural gift here where God has given people who, Jewish men, because that's what uh, all the disciples were, they were all Jewish men, Mm -hmm. and of course they're all part of one particular culture. They have grown up uh, in, in Israel. They haven't had, most of them, the benefit of advanced education. How are they going to share the gospel uh, with those from so many other nations that have all come into Jerusalem? And it actually tells you quite a number of the people that uh, came. Who actually came in. Yeah. And yeah. the way God wanted evangelism to go forward powerfully. So what does he do? He gives them a very beautiful gift here. Yes. Uh, it's actually a gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's evidenced on this particular occasion by these individuals speaking in a foreign language. It's just amazing. You know, Paul, who wrote Acts, did he not? He did. Yes. Oh, well, he, Luke actually wrote Acts. Oh, Luke wrote Acts. We'll That's right, Luke, Paul. Yes. I was at 1 Corinthians yes, this yes. morning. That's right. He wrote that. But he also says he wished that other people could speak as he did. Yeah. But he said he, even if he speaks in a whole lot of other languages and doesn't have love, it's no good to anybody. And yeah. Paul spoke about five languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so his was a trained language, yeah. whereas what you're saying here is that these men – these disciples were not trained with earthly training. Yeah, yeah. That's what you're saying? Well, that's it. In fact, yeah. you know, it's really interesting. I, I actually, I mean, I've never actually served in third world countries uh, myself. Uh, I know that you've had that particular yes. privilege. But um, I, when I was, uh, uh, I've got a number of friends who have certainly um, served, for example, in Papua New Guinea. And they've actually told me stories um, of when they uh, have preached in uh in that particular country, they were able to, to to speak, and yet the people actually heard them in their own language. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, absolutely. So is that? I can s- testify to that too. Yes, go on. 
Okay. Do you want to share with us? I your... will in a moment. Do okay. Keep going. All right. Okay. So, so you've had experience yes, with yes, uh, with absolutely. this gift of tongues. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we'll come to that in a moment. Yes. Just, but let's come back to the scriptures then. So, lead us some more. Okay. So here they are. They're there. They didn't fall over, did they? They haven't fallen over. No. In fact, they're standing fall. up to they preach. Are, that's exactly right. And. And the people were amazed, were they not? And this is what, well, this is what the passage says in verse 7. Yeah. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in our own language in which we were born? Parthenons, uh, Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, uh, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. And the list just goes on. Egypt, parts of Libya, uh, the, the, the list is just so uh, so complete there. And then they so they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "Whatever could all this mean?" Absolutely. Now these were Jewish men, were they not? They are. Yes. Yeah, they were speaking supernaturally in tongues by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, for the purpose of sharing the gospel. Amen. That <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. I love Ray. that. I love that yes, particular. I yes. think that's key. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Now, if if you are in a place where people are speaking in what they believe is tongues, they believe it's biblical tongues, and no one understands them, how is that for the benefit of the gospel? How is that edifying the church? Ah, but it might edify themselves. Ah, but the Holy Spirit never edified Himself. Okay, when the Holy Spirit has come, who? what he does is he raise, he lifts up Jesus Christ. Amen. He lifts amen up Jesus Christ. Amen. Absolutely. Just wanted to bring that out. But I also want to point out this is not the only incidence of a group of people speaking in tongues. Okay, share if, with us the if others. If we go into Acts 10, Acts 10, it was some eight years later, and it was a similar experience. This time it was what they called the Gentiles. Okay. Now, maybe you would like to read for us uh, verses 45 and 46. Well, let's go. Uh, yeah, let's go from that. verse 44. Yes. Um, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those who heard, uh, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. And many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized uh, um, who have received the Holy Spirit in the same way as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay for a few more days. They've received the Holy Spirit in the same way that they recalled back in Acts chapter 2. Absolutely. But did you notice something in that text? It just jumped out at me tonight as we, you were reading it, that these were what they called the Gentiles, yeah. number one, and they were praising God, and then they were, they were praising God, they were speaking, it was poured out on them, and after that, then they were baptized. That's, that's, did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. I just noticed that when you were reading. Well, that, that, too many people say you have to be baptized, you know, and then you're baptized with the. We've Holy actually Spirit, got examples in the New Testament tongues. of people being uh, being baptized 
and then the Holy Spirit falling on them. We've got other examples of the Holy Spirit falling first and then they're being baptised. And sometimes we've actually got examples of the two happening simultaneously. You know, it's interesting to me that what we actually have is uh, in John chapter 3, you know, Christ actually said, unless you be born of water and the Spirit, Mm -hmm. you won't see the kingdom of God. Now, baptism by water, what is that? Well, that's actually, of course, physical baptism. When I am immersed, I go under the under the water because uh, uh, baptizo means to immerse. If I'm yes. washing my dishes, I'm actually baptizing them because uh, it was actually a common word in uh, uh, back in the New Testament days. But by the Spirit also, the expectation of the Scriptures is that I'm going to be baptized by water mm-hmm. and the Spirit. The two actually uh, come together, and yet... Um, the uh, the baptism of the Spirit seems to be evidenced in the New Testament in different ways. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know what is equally interesting? We haven't got there yet, but if we go and we see what the gift of tongues, where it comes in the list of the gifts, you know, um, Paul says that it's we're all like parts of a body. Yeah. Now, uh, my question is, is if you, if you believe that we all need to be talking in tongues, are we all tongues? Well. I'm sorry, it sounds ridiculous, I know. Of course. But we're not all tongues. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. we're not all heads. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not all hands. Well, just as in the same just, way just as as we're actually not all teachers, we're not all preachers. No. Uh, we actually don't all have gifts of healing. Can I say that some of us struggle with gifts of uh, gifts of encouragement? Yes. Um, that's yes. that's something that is actually a spirit. Some people can make you feel warm and encouraged. Other people, not to the same extent. Do you know we've all been given different gifts, and the Holy Spirit will give to every single person. A gift, yes. um, but it's not necessarily the same dis- gift. In fact, I'd suggest to you that it's never the same gift. In fact, in a church, I know in my church, I'm so thankful that I've got people, you know, people who are good administrators. Yes. Uh, you've got other people uh, who are really good teachers. You're a good administrator. Um, uh, you've got other... <laughs> I try to downplay that. Just say thank you, Helen. <laughs> Go on. So you, what you've got here are so many different gifts. You know, to me, as I look at this, Helen, I say, hey, the New Testament uh, teaching on the Holy Spirit is actually so powerful because what it does is it has the, uh, the, the result of building up the church. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is about building up the church. Amen. Not actually just building up the individual. Yes, the no. individual will be, will be built up spiritually, mm. but the gifts that any one individual actually has uh, varies according to the goodness of God and how he actually touches uh, up an individual. And I'm so thankful for, you know, I, I've said this a number of times, some of the gifts that we classify as smaller or lesser Gifts are the ones I actually praise God the most for because yeah. I've actually said to, to to my church that it's actually the gifts of encouragement and hospitality that will actually build up a church. The evangelist might preach an excellent sermon. He might be able to challenge people. The Holy Spirit can certainly work through him. The teacher can certainly teach. But, you know, the person who actually builds up the church are those with gifts of encouragement and hospitality. And uh, to me, as I, I l- and, and I look at that, mm. and I, I just simply say, what a wonderful mm. God that we actually serve. And we as human uh, tend to turn around and to downplay those particular gifts. We do, Gary. We do. Are all gifts important? 
every gift is. Every gift is vitally important uh, to the work of God on this uh, on this earth. But look, Helen, we need to come to some uh, some music. Um, this is uh, this is Chris Rice, uh, Oh Love, that will not let me go. So love that will not let me go. And uh, our free gift to you today, our free book, is the book uh, Spirit Baptism and Waiting on God. This has been uh, written by Dennis Smith. Dennis has had a, a lifetime of, uh, of highly spiritual, uh, spirit-based uh, ministry. You'll love this particular book, Spirit Baptism and Waiting on God. Uh, this talks about the biblical teaching of waiting on God and how it's present, how we can present it in a society that doesn't like to wait. Uh, this is a, this is a wonderful little book on spirit baptism. If you'd like it, uh, please just text uh, your name, your address, and the title of the book, Spirit Baptism and Waiting on God, uh, to our studio uh, mobile here. That's o four triple eight eight o eight eleven. That number again is o four eight o eight eleven. 
Okay, I think, uh, did I have that right? 04888 that's the one, sorry. That's uh, that's what happens when you start trying to do something else as well. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Helen Gray, and Helen is pastoral assistant of the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're taking as our theme, Understanding the Holy Spirit, and today we're asking, do I need to speak in tongues to be saved? Now, Helen, one of the things we've got to get to before we finish, you did share that you've had an experience with yes. speaking in tongues. I know you've done work in Papua New Guinea, which yes. is where some of my friends also have done uh, have done some work. Would you like to share with us your story? Yes, I would actually love to. Um, but just before we do that, Acts 1 verse 8 gives us the reason why the Holy Spirit was promised to us. If you could quickly read that for us, Gary. Acts 1 Acts 8. 1 verse 8. Acts 1 and verse 8. And uh, it, says, uh, it says this, But you shall receive... Uh, power from the Holy when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the purpose, the reason the Holy Spirit is actually given. That's right. So let me just quickly tell you, I have been in Papua New Guinea for almost ten years. Um, I have experienced witnessing people speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. and it's a real language. I do speak Pidgin English, mm-hmm. but it's a very real language they spoke. And when I spoke to them later, I said, "Did you?" know that language they didn't but i want to tell you what happened when i came back to australia gary mm-hmm. i learned sign language auslan okay. and um there was a group of us we were visiting different deaf people inviting them to bible studies mm-hmm. witnessing christ we went to visit one gentleman whom i had met once before and um he was deaf and when we got in it was such a tiny house there was only two of us could fit in the lounge room with him so our spouses sat in the car and I went in there with another gentleman and we started talking to him and I was signing to him and the man stopped us and he said he pointed to my friend and he said he actually indicated he was to pray first pray first and I was to sign and I said I can't because I was just starting to learn sign language. And at TAFE, they don't teach you how to do the signs for Jesus or the Holy Spirit or Jerusalem, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. heavenly city or anything. And I told him, I said, I can't. And he, he just, he looked at me and he pointed the guy, he said, you pray, you know, he signed, you pray, you sign. And again, I said, I can't. And he got angry and he said, you pray, you sign. And my friends, my friend said, you better start signing. I said, you better start praying. And we got down on our knees. And I got to tell you, Gary, I'd, it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. It was, it was as though there was another power took over. And I just, I just signed. And when we'd finished, I said, signed to this man, did you understand, you know, what I said? And he, he went, yes. And I said, write down. And he wrote down that I had I had actually signed about God and the holy angels and the Holy Spirit, and it was a true witness to God. Now, mm. I was stunned, mm. totally stunned. It's powerful. I, I got out to the car, and my friend, uh, my husband personally said, how'd it go? And my friend was just totally dumbfounded. Yeah. He said, well, we've just witnessed speaking in tongues. And, you know, the, his wife said, why, what happened? And when we explained it, my husband said, well, what's, what's the sign for Jesus? I said, I have no idea. Mm. Mm. And yet I had signed it, Gary. Yeah. yeah. And I tell you, I still have goosebumps 
up and down my arms. Yeah. It was a witness. It was following what you just read to be a witness. Yeah, you know, Helen, one of the things I'm so conscious, I know I've said on many occasions, I, ha- I haven't spoken in tongues, but the one thing I'm so conscious of is that uh, the Lord God does actually, uh, when you are sharing with someone else, he actually takes over your voice. And oh. uh, he is the one who is actually yes. able to uh, allow you to express things. I, I would call it inexpressible things that, yes. you know, you you might not normally have the ability or the skills. You know, texts of scripture come together yes. that you wouldn't normally be able to put together. Answers come to you Amen. that you just look at and you say, hey, what a powerful God we actually serve because I know that the answers that I've been coming out of my mouth, haven't actually been coming from me. They've been no. coming from another, another source. And I'm so conscious that this, this power source that allows speaking in tongues is actually the one who leads us to do all the witnessing. Oh, I believe a hundred percent. It's all, almost like God says, stand aside and watch me work. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah, powerful. Yeah. Gary, we're running out. I'm not running out. Okay, can I just can I just say one thing too? Because I think this yes. is really important. Actually, you know, sometimes um, people uh, people ask me one question. You know, how does a person know that they've received the gift of the Holy Spirit? You know, if you if you're not going to speak in tongues, then um, how can I know that I indeed have been uh, re- I have received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Now, this is absolutely absolutely key that we answer this question. Yes. Uh, how do we do it? How, how do we know that? Okay, I've got several answers here. Well, quickly. And, and I, I know we're running out. I know. I did want to share some, some stats with them, but okay, let's just have a look. Matthew 7 and verse 16, it says here, um, you can identify them by their fruit. Ah. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit and it goes on in that vein but then if we come over to Galatians 5 verse 22 and 23 mm-hmm. we are told the fruit of the spirit okay. is, is and, what Gary? All right. Well this particular passage it's just what it says but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there's no law. You know, to me, as I look at this, this is a beautiful list because what it's saying is that when the Holy Spirit is actually dwelling within me, he will actually produce fruit. He will give me a gift by which I can minister, but he will also produce fruit. Can I suggest that you know, God's expectation is that there will be fruit developed in the life of every Christian. Amen. This is unacceptable. You know, it's it's, it's unexception without exception here. You know, and that fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. When you see these attributes being worked out in the heart of the Christian, you know that what you've actually got is the fruit of the Spirit, and you know that Jesus Christ is actually working through them. Okay, so really the evidence of the Holy Spirit, Gary, what you're saying is not whether a person speaks in tongues, but whether his life has the fruits of the Spirit. That's it. That's yeah, it. That's wrapping it up, isn't it? Speaking in tongues is an ecstatic um, utterance, not according to scripture. And, and that, and that to me, I, I would actually go as far as far to to say that an ecstatic utterance uh, is not the uh, the biblical gift of tongues. I'm actually going to go further than that, Gary. We we need many many more minutes to be able to discuss all this. We're barely touching the the top of the iceberg, but I believe it's a perversion of the genuine gift 
that God gave at Pentecost. That's probably an excellent way of suggesting it. You know, that, that is a good way of putting Satan it. Satan will counterfeit anything. There are many deceptions in the world today, Gary, and that's one of them. Yeah. You yeah. know, and many genuine Christians are actually caught up in this snare in a charismatic movement. Yeah. We're not here, as I said, to condemn anybody or judge anybody. I've got so many good friends that speak in tongues, and one man particularly spoke in tongues one time and I said why did you do it and he said spirit gave me utterance I said did you have an interpreter mm. and he said no and I and I directed him to scripture where it says an in- interpreter must be present yeah. Yeah. and he said because this is actually one of wrong. the one of the problems that Paul actually faced in Corinth and he actually goes through and he talks about the various issues in Corinth and Corinth was actually a problem church but one of the problems that he's actually facing is the problem of speaking in tongues and one of the guidelines he gives is that if in fact a person's going to speak in tongues then there has to be uh, in the church there has to be an interpreter present so that we all know what's actually happening here this isn't a, a, a gibberish but look let me have prayer for those who, okay. uh, who are listening. Fantastic. Father in heaven, Lord, come to you right now. I want to say thank you uh, for the way that you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for promising uh, to give, uh, to produce fruit in the lives of believers. Thank you for giving us gifts by which we may touch our world uh, with the presence of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd be with each person. Lord, may you give those who ask the gift of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Helen Gray on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano actually joins with Helen again to talk about the unpardonable sin. And we ask, what is the unpardonable sin against the Holy Ghost? Uh, Really look forward uh, to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God uh, richly bless you. Please enjoy.